Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. So whatever in the jungle, like you just figure it out and we share our stories and I'm always big on sharing your story. And a lot of times people think, I mean, share what big, amazing thing that you did. And that's not what I mean. I mean, if we're all in the social media experience and everything else, share aspects of your life so that we all can see what could happen. And because we learn from the bad, but we also learn from the good too. And in more ways, we're inspired by the good things that happen in people's lives. Welcome back to episode three of What the Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they fundraise. Today, I'm interviewing Tamika Felder, an award-winning television producer and host, international speaker, author, and fierce patient advocate. After a diagnosis of cervical cancer in 2001 at the age of 25, Tamika decided to use her experience and her voice to help educate other women about ways to prevent cervical cancer. She is the chief visionary at Survivor with a C, a nonprofit dedicated to cervical cancer advocacy and support. Tamika is also the author of Seriously, What Are You Waiting For? 13 Actions to Ignite Your Life and Achieve the Ultimate Comeback. One of the things you will notice about Tamika immediately is her energy. She is a positive magnetic force. The first time we ever talked, I was rolling, laughing, and totally energized. We are going to be talking about energy today, how you harness it, and how you put up boundaries with folks who take your energy. Tamika calls them energy vampires, which I love. This is such an important conversation for nonprofit leaders because we talk about how to deal with tough moments, which Tamika knows plenty about, and how to overcome them without creating a story that actually creates ongoing limiting beliefs. As a coach, I watch so many of my fundraising clients dragged down by stories that they've made up, and it's negatively impacting their ability to fundraise and lead every day. So let's dive in you can soak up this goodness and all this energy right now. Hi, and welcome. I am here with Tamika Felder. I am so excited for this conversation today. Tamika, I have been inspired by you for a long time. I can't remember. I was trying to remember exactly when I found out about you or started following you, but I feel like the first time I did, I just gravitated towards you and I was just like her. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I feel the same way. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, I know you, but why don't you just start by telling everyone a little bit about you and your story and sort of what brings you to this moment in time? So, hey, y'all, I'm from South Carolina, so I do say y'all, but hello, everyone. I'm Tamika, and I am someone who had dreams as a kid, and I'm living them out loud every single day. So my story is that I was working as a television producer, and it's just been a dream of mine my entire life. And then when I was 25 years old in 2001, cancer came in and just really knocked me off of my feet and changed everything. So being diagnosed with cervical cancer at 25, I lost my fertility. And I wasn't planning to be a mom anytime soon, but it was definitely something that I thought about. You know, I think a lot of young girls or people dream about when they are playing with their dolls and they think about one day I'll have this real baby and all this other stuff. So cervical cancer really took that away from me. But 
I've always been a resilient person. And so even though this traumatic thing happened to me at such an early age, I was like, let me pick up the pieces, put them back together and just keep moving forward. And of course, that's easier said than done. But one thing about me, I always actively work towards whatever I need to do or where I need to be. And along the way, I founded a nonprofit survivor because I felt so alone and I didn't want anyone else to feel that way because of the stigma and shame of cervical cancer because of its attachment to the human papilloma virus. And as a storyteller, I just really wanted to shift that narrative. I didn't want to change the truth about the cancer, but I wanted to shift the narrative and show faces and people who've experienced this. So you see, one, it can happen to anyone. And two, it wasn't an easy cancer. Like you couldn't just get a hysterectomy or have treatment and you're done. You know, it's one thing to experience the physical aspect of cancer or anything really, but it's another thing to have to deal with the emotional, the emotional part of it. So silly me, I thought I'm done with treatment. I'm healed from my surgery and I'm just going to pick up the pieces of my life right before cancer, right? That didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) And so a lot of what I've started doing is helping people, not just with cancer, but with anything that's holding them back, move forward because we only get this one life. You know, coming face first with my mortality, it's a you wake up and you realize like none of us are getting out of here alive. Death is imminent. It's so just not something that we want to talk about, but the truth is none of us are getting out here alive. And so what do we do with that time that we have here? So you can exist, right? You could just exist. And if that's your jam and you're totally fine with that, that is okay. But if you have things that you want to do before you leave this place, right? whether you believe in a place that we're all going or some of us going someplace else, or you believe that we turn to dust and we're just ashes, whatever it is, we're all, it's over, right? Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do with this time while we have this one body to live this life? And I always say you can live an epic life and jump out of a plane or do whatever you want, or you can be the best Netflix and chill type of person because life is, whatever it is on your terms. And a lot of people are seeking permission. And for some things I seek permission too. And so I'm constantly telling myself and sharing with other people that you don't have to seek permission. You can go and be the things and do the things realistically, of course, but don't wait because seriously, if you're waiting, you'll be waiting for the rest of your life a quote that I played upon a little bit from Lemony Snickets, but you really do have to do the things. And so it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be the perfect time. It's never going to be perfect financially. And if it is, awesome. (laughs) But in most cases, everything is just not going to line up perfectly. And so you have to decide, you know, do I do it now and kind of, you know, shift things a little bit so I can still do it and maybe I won't do it the same way that I had always dreamed about, but maybe you do it and you get to check that thing off of your box, right? Off of your bucket list or your living life list, if you will, and you go forth and you do. And so I wear a lot of hats. So I'm your cheerleader. I'm not a fear leader. I'm also, you know, a nonprofit leader. I am an author and a speaker. But at the core of who I am, I'm a girl with dreams. And I will be going after those dreams until the day I die. That's Mm. that's who I am at my core. Oh, my God. And I'm just tearing up a little bit over here, like listening to you talk about all that. And I'm curious, like, before you dealt with cancer, before that came into your life, what were some of the things that you felt like were really holding you back or what were the stories at play there? So a lot of the things that I felt like were holding me back was working in the media world and broadcasting. It's all about looks, right? It's all about physical. So I've never hated how I looked and I've always been a confident person, but being in a you know profession where you always have to be on you're constantly looking at the way you look the way that you present yourself and so 
you know, when I left South Carolina and moved to D.C., it's when I saw the shift that people didn't have to be a certain cookie cutter to be on television. And, you know, there's all this body positivity now, and it should have been there forever, but it wasn't. And so I love what's going on. And if you're body conscious and body positive, it doesn't mean that you're unhealthy or you care about being unhealthy. It's loving the skin while you're in now. So one of the stories that we all tell ourselves is, when I'm thinner or when I do this, I'll do that, right? And that is one of the things that we have to stop letting hold us back. You know, I always tell people like, travel now, don't wait till, you know, you're small to do whatever. I mean, there's some things you can't do. So if you are over 300 pounds, you can't do go to iFly or something like that, you, you know, but, you know, find some other place or you can't go zip lining. I remember when I went to go zip lining, that was one of the things I was like, I bet I can't go because I'm over 300 pounds, which I'm under now. Um, <laughs> so that is definitely back on the list, but it's okay. So I can't go zip lining. What's something else that I can do to get that kind of zip lining feel and do these other things? And so that really is part of what I love to share with people is that being the size that I am, I've never really let it hold me back from doing anything. You know, you had to get a seatbelt extender on a plane. Can it be embarrassing? Have I ever felt embarrassed about it? Yes. And usually it's because other people made me feel embarrassed. Sometimes, you know, flight attendants, they fold it up all nice. I'm always like swinging it around, you know, <laughs> like walking on the aisle, like here's my, you know, seatbelt extender mm-hmm. and what. And for people who are like, well, I don't want someone taking part of my seat. Dude, I don't want to take your seat either. I want to mm-hmm. fit in my seat. But that's a whole thing with, again, planes and restrictions and things like that. You know, people don't come in a cookie cutter size. People don't come in cookie cutter personalities. And so, yes, there are there are things in life. There are things that we tell us. We tell ourselves that we're not worthy. We're not smart enough. We're not cultured enough. We don't have enough people that we're connected to to achieve our goals. And so we start telling ourselves the story. And a lot of it is because of what we see. Or or perhaps we feel that we're not pretty because our hair isn't straight enough. Or our skin isn't light enough. Or our booties are too flat or whatever. <laughs> you know, we get caught up in a lot of this. So a lot of what I do when I first start working with people I ask them, tell me something that you love about yourself. Sometimes I'll start with a like. Tell me something that you like about yourself. And, you know, there's some people that are like, oh, I love this. I love that. But there are always people that are like, can you come back to me? I don't know. And it's amazing to me that we are in these bodies, these vessels that we get, right, that are uniquely us. No one else has them unless you're, you know, a twin, right? That, okay, so you have someone else, right? But even then there's little differences, right? But we have to love ourselves. One day, this woman who was really on body positivity well before her time, I remember I said something about my belly and my thighs, and especially because I had over 100 staples. And you can still see every little staple because they kind of keloid. And I know your audience is probably like TMI, but I'm a TMI kind of girl. (laughs) No, me too. So they are right at home. (laughs) Yes, there's someone listening to this and they need to hear this. And they were like, okay. So my message is for everyone, but there's always that one or two people that need to hear this. And so I remember telling her, and we're just girlfriends having casual conversation. And I was just like, yeah, because my belly something, something, something. And I was like, yeah, when it gets smaller or when it does this. And she just like, matter of fact said, but why would you wait to love yourself when it's a part of you? And I thought, yeah, I can't hate myself. I love myself. I love all of me. And so, yeah, are there things that I want to, you know, improve about myself? Absolutely. But I love me, every inch of me. I am uniquely me. Everything about me is what makes me me. And so I can't hate myself, but we're taught to hate ourselves. We're taught to dislike ourselves. We're taught to constantly improve on who we are. And so there is some truth to that, right? So I feel like we should constantly be evolving to be better versions of ourselves, but not necessarily physically, 
just better humans in the world because we all make up this wonderful world that we're in. So your uniqueness matters, right? We shouldn't be the same. Our uniqueness matters. But what should be the same is that we want to be good humans and we want to be a part of this good that is in this world. So a lot of what I want people to really truly understand is own who you are, right? Own your uniqueness, own who you are. And I feel like that's what's missing from a lot of people that they don't own who they are because they're looking at reality shows or Instagram and looking for something that may be Instagrammable, you know, and we need to start loving who we are and loving. People used to tell me that, oh my God, you talk too much. I remember on my second grade report card and I still have it, I pull it out. And it's funny because there's this meme that says like, here's to all the girls who talk too much in class. And I'm like, hello, <laughs> that's me. And now I'm paid as a speaker. So, you know, my mother, when she was alive, she just laughed her butt off about that. You know, cause she was always like, be quiet, you know, good Southern woman, like, shh, shh, shh. And I'm just like, ah, you know, and she would laugh. She was like, I cannot believe you get paid to just run your mouth for a living. Like here I am with you just gabbing away, running my trap. (laughs) I love it. But you know what? That it's such a good point that like, that's only possible because you embraced all of you, right? You didn't sit there saying, I need to be quieter, just like so-and-so, you know, you're like, okay, this is me. I talk a lot. So like, how can I, what should, what does that mean for my life? What I love sharing my story. I love talking. So what does that look like for me? And there's something else that you said that just really triggered a thought in me. And now I'm forgetting exactly what it was, but you know, I think what's so beautiful about what you talk about and like, I'm someone where like, God, if I could go back and redo anything from high school, it would be like, get in that bathing suit, get in the lake, get in the whatever, like the amount of things I didn't do in my life because of my body is crazy. And I think what you're talking about is like, you know, you are inspiring people. You're a teacher, but a lot of what you're doing is like unteaching. You know, it's like, listen, you were born exactly how you were meant to be. You've been told all these lies about that not being good enough or that not being right or that not fitting into this box. And now it's time to like unteach that, right? To like rewind those limiting beliefs. I mean, and what you said is so true because I always tell people if I get a moment before I'm out of here, you know, if something happens and your life flashes before you, you want to feel good about it. You want to be like, okay, all right, fine, I'll go. It was good. <laughs> you know, right. you want to be like, oh my God, I haven't done this, or I still want to see this. I want to taste this. I want to try it. You know, I was talking to my husband, put one of the cars to be serviced. So we had to take it to the shop. I ended up having to pick it up. And there was this person who was there. He's the person that checked me out and he was from Korea. And somehow we started talking about masks and, you know, because now it's like CDC is saying you don't have to wear masks, all that other stuff. And I was like, you know, I don't have a problem with masks. You know, when the world was open and I was traveling, especially in Asia, you know, you wear masks, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, you've been to Asia? And I was like, yeah, I've been to Hong Kong, Vietnam, Tokyo, we're at someplace else. I can't remember right now. But I was, you know, sharing with him about it. And he was like, I love that you travel. He was like, and did you try things? I was like, I didn't try the scorpions on the stick when I was in Beijing. <laughs> but I was like, I did try a lot of other stuff because it's like, how many times am I going to be in Beijing? I might come back, but if not, like, let me try all the things. And so, you know, part of life is, not only doing the things that you want, but seeing how other people live, which is why I love traveling and I can't wait to do it safely again because we make up this earth and we are all just so wonderfully made, right? And so unique. And it's boring if you talk to someone who thinks like you, eats everything you eat. And, you know, my husband, we're, we're totally opposites. He's the quiet one, right? Unless he really gets to know you. But one thing I love with him, he knows his limits. So we were in the Caribbean and I couldn't swim at the time. Since I've taken swim lessons, I've still got to keep going. But 
That's a problem. Even though I couldn't swim, I was on jet skis, I was snorkeling, I was doing, like, I was like, well, that's one thing, this weight will help me float, but he's just like, dude, you're crazy. But so anyway, I was like, well, they give you this life preserver jacket and all this other stuff, come in, and he was like, no, Tamika, I'm good, I'll take pictures of you from the boat, I know my limits. And I thought, you know what? It's good because, again, you've got to be open, but not to where it makes you so uncomfortable that you can't enjoy an experience. So he will try different foods, but he's not getting in an ocean where sharks live and he can't swim. Like, that's not his thing. And so I respect that. I mean, it took me a moment to really, truly respect it, but I respect it. But so there are different levels to living the life that you That's the key, right? That you've always wanted to live. Because yeah, from birth, we're taught, and I had great parents. My parents were so awesome. But from birth, we're we're told, don't do that. Don't do, you can't do that. Don't touch that. I remember a high school teacher. I told her I wanted to be a lawyer or a child psychologist. And she told me that I would never be those things. Part of the reason why she told me I would never be those things is because I was black and I knew it immediately and it hurt. And she ended up apologizing the next day. Right. And she I guess she had a bad day, but she showed me who she was as a person at her core. Right. And part of me is always thinking back to that moment, not to hold me back, but to remind me why I always have to do me. Right. So like I tell my good girlfriends, if, you know, I want to do something like I did this squat challenge and one of my friends, she was like, I'm not doing that. She was like, I don't want to upset you because I know you're on your fitness challenge, but I don't want to do it. And I texted her back. Do you, boo? And that really is that is my theme for this year. We're coming off of a year because 2020 really is still happening. If you don't know, it. Mm-hmm. it's 2021, but we're truly still in 2020. <laughs> And if nothing else has taught you to do you, boo, 2020 taught us, do you, boo. Like, Mm -hmm. if you want to start a podcast, if you want to write a book, if you want to have a baby, if you want to climb a mountain, if you want to do whatever, do you, boo. Like, it's time to do it. I love what you're saying about the story about your husband and the sharks, because I think it's like, you are just kind of the epitome of like conscious choice, right? Like something I talk about a lot is like the action that someone takes is not what's important. People will be like, is skydiving fearless? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like what was the intention? Did someone push them out of a plane, you know, and or guilt them into doing it? Because it's really about the motivation or the intention behind the action. So I love when you're like, if you want to be the best Netflix and chill person out there, go be that, right? You know, people are always like, well, like Netflix, Netflix is bad. And I'm like, says who? Like it's, yeah, (laughs) says who? It's what's, what's bad. And I don't even really do like bad and good, but the thing to consider is like, what is the reason that you're binging Netflix is the reason that you're binging Netflix because it really relaxes you and you are giving yourself permission. Like you said, you are giving yourself permission to sit down and binge that show on Netflix and you feel great after great. But if you are binging Netflix, not consciously, but to hide from something else that you're afraid of, that's where to look. And so the binging Netflix, it's just the thing, right? But it's like, what was their conscious choice in doing the thing? And I think that's what you're talking about. Even like with your husband, the jet ski is like, look, the boundary is we all have to set our own boundaries. We all have to do our own thing. And the boundary itself like us having different boundaries, it doesn't mean anything. It's all about like, did we bring in conscious choice, being our true selves when we set that boundary, when we did that thing? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I was just like, how boring. He's up on the boat. <laughs> I'm seeing all this coral and stuff you see on National Geographic. And then I get back to the boat. He's had a great time. He loves me. He had his non-alcoholic fruity drink. <laughs> and he was, he was happy because his thing is not my thing. Totally. Right? Yes. And that's okay. So, you know, we have to learn these things. And my stepdaughter, I found myself, when I talk to her, I think it's natural that we revert back to whatever we know that we saw mm-hmm. as our parents. And it's funny, she was telling me some of the things that she wanted to do. And I was like, well, and this is just going on who she is. I was like, maybe this will be better for you. And then I was like, no, she has to find it herself. 
Now I can mold her and kind of encourage her when she wants my input or if I feel like I need to give my input. But they're they're constantly my husband and my stepdaughter are like, stop Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, stop motivational speaking us. But it's like hard for me to turn it off. But I've learned, let them be who they want to be. So what I preach to other people, I definitely have to do it in my own house, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that balancing act of remembering, let people be who they're going to be. And you do you and they'll do them. First Tea of Greater Akron needed to switch from an outdated donor management system to something more user-friendly. With Bloomerang, they found that and more. Executive Director Josh Smith commented, We love Bloomerang. It saved time. It's helped us raise more funds. By investing in a donor database that they actually loved using, First Tea of Greater Akron was able to raise more funds and continue creating lasting change in their community. To listen to the full interview with First Tea of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com backslash what the fundraising or click the link in the show notes. Well, you know, there's this other point that I feel like you're making, or at least it's like coming up for me as you're talking about this, which, and your whole story, actually, everything you talked about, you have this way of being like, okay, this is a thing that happened. This is a particular circumstance. It is what it is, but I'm not going to create an entire story about this that then dictates my next behavior. You're like, this is a thing. So what else is possible? And you consciously stay there. And I don't know why that happens. I was talking to a friend recently and she, we're the same age. We're in our forties. And she was talking about a teenage love that she couldn't get over. I'm like, we're going to be 50 in a couple of years. Like what happened? Like, so for me, I don't have that where I'm stuck and I don't know why I'm grateful for it. And do I have pity parties? Yes, I have pity parties. Do I get down? Do I get sad? People always ask me that. And it's funny. They're like, do you have bad days? I'm like, I'm human. Of course I have bad days. The difference with me is I don't get stuck in those bad days because I think, well, God, if I'm depressed and sad for over a year, that's a year of time that I won't get back. And that doesn't mean that people don't have real problems, right? That they have to deal with. But that is just a part of my coping mechanisms. And I'm really good about talking my feelings out to myself, to a therapist or to whoever, you know, my positive people are that I need to help pick me up because I believe in pity parties. I hate when people tell you, suck it up, buttercup, cry on the inside like a winner. Yes, we need those things, but we need to give people grace and be real about them, needing time to grieve whatever thing happened to them, whether it's a traumatic experience, an injustice, whatever. People need to have time or they're just having a bad day. And so we don't give people enough grace to do that. Now, being the positive person that I am, I do like to reinforce that, you know, eventually I'd like for you to come out of that pity party, right? But I think you giving space to it, because I talk about this a lot too, and I totally agree with you. I think giving space and intentionality around, go have that pity party. Just go in that bathtub and cry. Just completely break down. Let it all go. Say all the things, right, that are not fair. Get it out. Write it down. And just, I think even just the allowance of that space actually does propel you back into being like, okay, I'm done. You know, and that's what I do with myself. Something bad happens. And I'm like, all right, pity party, breakdown, just go there, Mallory. And then I'll set a timer even sometimes on my phone. And I'll be like, I'm going to have a 10 minute full on meltdown. And yes, I just like, I <laughs> and I just like completely, I'm like, this is so unfair, right? Like I say all the things, the timer on my phone goes off and I just, I'm like, am I done? Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. But most of the time it's yes. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm done. And then I just move on. And, you know, different things, of course, need more space for grief and need more space for really going there. And so it's not always going to be a 10 minute timer. But I think sometimes when we are triggered into that, it's like you're allowed to be there. And it doesn't mean again, it doesn't mean anything about who you are. Right. So, you know, my husband and I have known each other for a very long time. We're one of those people like we dated, we broke up for years and came back together years later. 
And so one of the things he was just like, I don't understand how you're upset, you get mad, and then you're just fine and you move on. And to him, it's like insane. Like he's like, that's crazy. But for me, it's lost moments, lost time. And again, part of that for me is being a cancer survivor and having to deal with my own mortality, the death of my parents. And, you know, and the work that I do in the nonprofit world, dealing with a lot of death, people who are losing their lives, people who are just, it could go either way for them. And so I want to make my time here count. And even if I'm just binging out on Netflix, to me, that's making, you know, I'm doing the things that I want to do. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And in your book too, you just so naturally walk people through, and I'm holding the book right here and we'll link it below, which it's amazing. So seriously, what are you waiting for? And it's 13 actions to ignite your life and achieve the ultimate comeback. And it is like facilitating a lot of reflection throughout the process and a lot of growth opportunities. And I'm curious, like for you, because you talk about energy in the book, it's your number one thing, which I told you I'm obsessed with, because I feel like even me, I'm so guilty of this. I like hide the word energy sometimes in what I do, because I don't want people to think it's like too woo woo. Um, (laughs) But you, you start with it. And I think it's brilliant. And I love it because I agree that it is the foundation of everything. So tell me like from your work and life, what does energy mean to you? Why is it number one? You know, and it's funny because I grew up Christian and down South going to church constantly all the time. And I also, I'm into woo-woo things, right? So I'm very much into energy. I pick up on people's energy. People pick up on my energy. And energy isn't just from people, but also living things. And, you know, people are always just like, (laughs) but I might stop for a minute and just kind of pay attention to the energy around you, even if it's just the sun on your skin, your feet and the grass, like just pay attention to what happens to you while you're doing that. But in the book, when I'm talking about energy vampires, I'm really talking about the people who not only suck out, but suck in, right? And so they literally are stealing your energy. And it could be from them just thinking you're a good person and I want to share some things with you and get your opinion. And then next thing you know, you're like this. <laughs> you know? Have you ever had a conversation and you left feeling like, oof? A lot. <laughs> those, are, those are energy vampires. And you feel like you don't have anything left to do whatever you need to do, even if it's just having a meal. And so those are energy vampires. Energy vampires are also a lot of times fear leaders. They're fearful of moving forward in the direction of their dreams. And so if you share your dreams with an energy vampire, you're thinking this is a friend or this is a good coworker and they're going to cheer you along. But if they're a fear leader and an energy vampire, they're not going to cheer you along. And so they're going to project on you mm-hmm. and you're going to share this thing, right? That you've been wanting to do. And they're going to share why you shouldn't do it and why it's stupid or why it sounds crazy or why it's too late. That's a big one, right? You know, that it's too late. Even though as humans, we're living longer, we're healthier, right? People will tell you that it's it's too late for whatever it is that you want to do. Or if you want to shift careers, you know, you almost made it to your pension and you've worked this good government job or whatever for a very long time. And people will say, you can't leave now. You can't do that. Sometimes for whatever reason, we're conditioned to listen to other people because we're seeking permission to go forward. And so that's why you have to really be careful about energy vampires. and. If you're anything like me, and I had to learn this the hard way, you can't save an energy vampire. You want to fix them because you're like, my God, like, why are you like this? (laughs) You know, who hurts you? What happened to you? Oprah Winfrey has this wonderful book that she's doing right now. The name is escaping me right now, but it's something like what happened to you? And a lot of times something happened to us and it could be some big catastrophic event. Or it could be something really tiny that someone said to us, a look they gave, and for whatever reason, we can't shake it. We can't let it go. We live in this constant, I can't go forward. I can't be, I can't do because of whatever happened to us, right? And so for me, that's all a part of the energy that surrounds us, right? And 
part of you living in your light is releasing your energy into the world, right? Letting your energy be fully on. And so when you, when you hear people talk about, I dim my light so others would be okay. So you dim your light so it doesn't shine at its brightest. But I think, you know, what a tragedy that is for us to not shine our light as bright as we could. Now, you want to share the air, right? So you don't want to be the annoying person that's like, me, 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 me. You're sucking all the air out of the room. But you do want to be the person that is living in your light, right? And so when we live in our light, energy vampires, they want the dark right? They want to kind of lurk in the background. So when we're out there shining brightly, the energy vampires, they're like, nope, I'm going to damper it out. I'm going to, you know, be an eclipse. I'm going to eclipse that light. And so you have to be careful because energy vampires don't always show, right? Almost like a wolf in sheep's clothing. So you may not initially know that someone is an energy vampire. You know, it could be a loved one. It could be a friend that you've known for years, but maybe they're going through something. So now they weren't an energy vampire previously, but maybe they are now. And so it's okay to acknowledge it, you know, and I'm a truth dealer, right? So you could do one or two things. You could walk away, close the door, or you could say, hey, energy vampire, I see you. Like, stop sucking the life out of me. <laughs> and yeah. it just depends on the relationship and what you want to do. Because people are always tickled by the fact that I say, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a family member. Maybe you can't cut a family member off, which you totally can, but I get it, right? Being from the South, I get it. But you can't cut them back. You can limit their access to you. And that is one of the things I think we don't do enough of especially in this social media driven world, we don't limit people's access to us. And that is all about protecting your peace when you do that. And so you don't always have to engage in everything. So for me, I always felt like everything needed a response. And part of growing older and wiser and experiencing things in life, you come to understand that everything does not warrant a response from you. You know, I think the Southerner in me thought it was rude, but that is a part of me protecting my peace. Everything does not warrant a response from me. And it's not that I don't like conflict or I don't want to engage in that way because I'll engage, you know, in something that's conflict if I feel like it and if I need to. But I'm also very okay with walking away from things and not being the winner, right? I don't have to win everything because in the end I win because I protected my peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And you protected your energy, you know, you're like, look, and I think that's just such a critical, I mean, I'm going to start talking about energy a lot more. Like even just after reading your book, I was like, this is such a critical concept for people to understand their energy, other people's energy. And of course, like if we're having that moment where we're like, okay, they're talking about energy. It's like, you can feel our energy right now. You know, you can feel, how do we know when someone's mad at us, even if we're not looking at them, right? We're, we're getting eyes across the room. How do we know that? Energy, right? There's so many things that we perceive because of energy, but we kind of are blocking ourselves off sometimes from either holding ourselves accountable to our own energy or like how we are interacting or experiencing energy. And I love the piece around boundaries because I say a lot to my clients, you know, who are experiencing burnout, right? All they want to do is look at their calendar and time. That's all they want to do. They're like, let's talk about how I can fix my time. I'm like, your time is not why you're burnt out. Your energy is why you're burnt out, you know? And if you are working 10 hours a week, but it's all catabolic energy, you're tired. But if you are working 50 hours a week and it's mostly anabolic energy, you are excited. So it's not about the time. It's about the energy regulation. And I love what you're saying too around access, right? Boundaries, access, influence, all of these things impact our energy. We are sponges, especially for the people who are on here, who are nonprofit leaders, real strong helper energy. You are absorbing more than you realize. Yeah, we have to really learn coping mechanisms to protect that, right? And so two years ago, I had to constantly say, I'm not upset with you because if I wasn't like engaging constantly and people would automatically think I was upset with them, I'm like, 
I'm not upset with you. I'm just protecting my energy, aka my peace. You mm-hmm. know, totally. Like, I'm just not dealing with this foolery. That you <laughs> I know. I saw this post the other day that was like, "I'm sorry, I did not meet the height requirement for your emotional roller coaster." Yeah. And I was like, "That." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it's not because I don't want to be there for people because yeah. I do. I'm a caring person, but I am naturally. I'm a sponge, so I absorb that type of energy and it just all becomes too much and with everything that's going on with COVID you have to really really truly truly be careful and so it really is something that I've worked really hard to do to protect the energy around me so that I can keep going forward because I got things that I want to do in this lifetime totally yes exactly and so it's like eye on the prize but also The day-to-day, I mean, I think that's another thing that the way you talk about is so inspiring to me is like, yes, move forward, fail fast, keep going, all the things, eye on the prize, have a meaningful life, build what you want to build, and don't do it at the expense of having, of being happy right now, right? right? It's like those things. And I think in general, you are not a like either or person. You're like a yes and, like that and these things. And I, I just think that's such a critical kind of piece of the puzzle that people don't often take that step back to sort of reflect on like, okay, maybe I've gone too far towards the dream around this thing because I'm sacrificing my day-to-day experience for it. And again, actually, I don't even want to put that judgment on that behavior. The thing I would say is like, take a step back and ask yourself, do you want to make that choice? Because if you do want to sacrifice your day-to-day right now for that dream, by all means, do you, you know? That's what it feels like for me for my weight loss because it takes up so much time, like another full-time job. But it's a sacrifice for now and not because I hate myself, because I want to be healthier. For me, it's like getting off high blood pressure medicine, making sure that I I get to maximize this body during this time here. That's what it is for me. And I literally feel like it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth it to put that investment of time in it. Now, that's where people, you know, this whole hustle thing, you know, we're mm. talking like hustle, 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 and yeah, it's hard now. And, but there should be things that you're enjoying about that hustle aspect. And I used to be someone that was team no sleep, like all this energy and all these ideas, but we need sleep. We really do need to normalize sleep and resting and recharging the body. And those are things that could be enjoyable experiences too. Like I got a new mattress. I got some new sheets with an extra thread count. And I'm just like, (laughs) what was I doing before? Like, you know, for me, those are those small things that are surprising. Like I knew the sheets would be nice, right? But when I actually got in the bed, I was like, and I'm like, God, this is so nervous, you know? And I had all my little sleep lotion. I sprayed lavender. I'm like, made it a whole thing, right? And that was an enjoyable experience, right? And so those are those moments of joy that don't have to be fleeting, but those are the things that you have to work to have in your life. Mm. So first of all, I did the same thing during COVID. I was like, okay, we are not paying for hotels. So I am turning my bedroom into a hotel room and I'm just going for it. And yeah, I, I mean, how do we know? I mean, you know, you talk about it's okay to reflect in your book, which I love. And I love that you use actually that sentence, like it's okay to reflect because I think there's just like with hustle culture, I feel like we're being taught these like two ends of the spectrum, right? It's like hustle culture, hustle culture, self-care, self-care, self-care. And, you know, balance isn't a word that I have always like adopted because I'm not sure what I think about balance from a value perspective for me personally, but I do think, you know, I think about self-care and and I'll work a lot and people will be like, I'm really worried about you. Like you have a two-year-old, you're working way too many. And I'm like, I am so happy. I love my job. For me, being a mom is energizing. Like I think being a working mom and having a toddler is actually helpful for me because when one of them is a bad day, usually, fingers crossed, the other one isn't. So it helps me actually, as opposed to creating a story that like, it's so hard doing both, right? I'm like, okay, what are the ways that it actually serves me to be doing both? We need to hear more stories like this because what I heard over and over again, you're so happy, which tells me that you're fulfilled. 
which tells me that you're living your dream, which tells me that when you wake up in the morning, you have joy in your heart. There are some people that wake up and they dread the day. Not just that it's a Monday, they're dreading every single day. I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I made it another day. Like, thank you. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) But, But I love that. Like, you know, it's okay to go after the things you want and have a two-year-old, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, we're seeing more and more people be okay with not having children. And that's fine if you don't want children. But we also see an uptick in people not wanting children because they've been told that you can't be fulfilled in your career and have a family. And that's simply not true because it can be whatever you want it to be. You make it balance. You make it work out for you. Exactly. And you know what? They think they can't have it because of a bunch of stories that we've been told and because of a bunch of guilt they're worried about having. And I said to someone yesterday, I said, in my two years of motherhood, which I I know I'm still very early, I've never felt mom shame ever. And I've certainly had people say things to me that could make me feel that, you know, people hear, oh my gosh, your daughter's in daycare from eight to five, five days a week. Don't you wish you had more time with her? Like, is your goal to have it be three days later? And I'm just like, no. It's not. And you know what? She loves her daycare. She loves her friends. She wakes up talking about them. She is so happy there. And I'm showing her what it looks like to build whatever life you want. And you're also showing her what it means to socialize with other people. Totally, totally. But I hold no beliefs around that. You know, I hold the belief that the happiness of the entire family is what's most important. So you're right, like keeping joy front and center, keeping happiness front and center really does help create intentionality around actions. And it does take that reflection to say, what does bring me joy? What does make me happy? If I did that thing, would I be happier? And so I just love that. I feel like you just bring every kind of piece. And how many stories have we heard that, you know, I remember my mom always working and just not happy. I remember my mom or my dad, you know, just going to work and just not happy. You know, your daughter's going to remember you were happy. You are happy. And to me, that's important. You know, having a life fulfilled. Yeah. And I'm sure that's for your stepdaughter too. Seeing you that way is what allows her to dream, you know, to be like, I can try these things or do these things, but you know, that that's going to be sort of her North star in that process too, which is amazing. And that's exactly what I want her to have. I want her to always feel like she can have it. And, you know, you hear this thing like you could have it all, but not all at the same time or what you can do whatever you want, whatever, however you make it, that it works for you because what works for you isn't necessarily going to work for me. What works for me isn't going to work for you. And if, but if we can inspire each other to say, yeah, you can have a two-year-old and still be happy and do your things and, and be a good mom or you can not be able to zip line because of weight limitations, but you can go and do this or whatever in the jungle. Like you just figure it out and we share our stories. And I'm always big on sharing your story. And a lot of times people think, I mean, share what big, amazing thing that you did. And that's not what I mean. I mean, if we're all in this social media experience and everything else, share aspects of your life so that we all can see what could happen. And because we learn from the bad, but we also learn from the good too. And in more ways, we're inspired by the good things that happen in people's lives. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, we could talk forever. I want you in a moment to tell folks where they can find you. And I hope for everybody who is listening to this that you are just gonna go and hire Tamika as your <laughs> as your motivational speaker. And and I also just want to highlight that you I think disappointed. <laughs> no, we know. I mean, and so you know, I'm so grateful for you sharing your energy and experience and wisdom with all of us. And I just want to highlight too for folks like, you know, not only speaking about motivation and all all these different things, but stigma. I just think you are so inspired. We didn't talk about that today, but that's certainly something that you've done in your work. And I've shared your information with a lot of people who I know are looking to talk about and tackle stigma. So I just want to flag that for folks who are listening, like Tamika is your person. So, okay. Tell us where everyone can find you. And then I'll ask you um, the last question. 
Yeah. So you can find me at TamikaFelder.com on social media. I'm boring. It's at Tamika Felder everywhere. <laughs> There's no like talkative girl 87 <laughs> or whatever. My well, AOL password <laughs> or whatever. Right. It's just like at Tamika Felder everywhere. And yeah, you can go check out things that I talk about, what I see. I have a YouTube channel. You can see more of my stuff there and just reach out to me. I love saying hi. Tell me that you watch this and, you know, what you learned about me. What did you learn about yourself? Any aha moments? Because I love people. I'm a people person and I love knowing your story and what makes you tick. So say hi. <laughs> yes, definitely say hi. And then at the end of all of these episodes, I invite folks to share a nonprofit that they want to highlight that we can invite everyone to go check out and give it they can. So... My favorite nonprofit is the nonprofit that I founded uh, for cervical cancer survivors and thrivers. And it's survivor, C-E-R-V-I-V-O-R dot org. And it was created out of my own experience of not wanting to be alone and not wanting anyone else to feel that way. So definitely check us out and let us know what you think. And we're always happy to receive donations. And if you're interested in my book, it is not just for cancer survivors, it's for anyone. And so you can go go to Amazon and get it. And, you know, it's a workbook. You can write inside and it's colorful and illustrated. And it's a reminder of all those things that we already know, but we need a reminder to live our lives doing us. Yes. And I will make sure you have links to all of this below. Thank you so much, Tamika. This has been such a fun conversation and so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. Was that fun or what? After this conversation, I literally could have gone and run a marathon. Okay, probably not that, but I had tons of energy. Why? Because we brought the energy. I love how transparent Tamika is about energy work because it is such a crucial part of how we show up as leaders and as fundraisers. There were so many great takeaways from today. Head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast for the detailed show notes and all of the top tips and tricks, plus access to more free resources for my 15 years of fundraising. You will also find more information about Tamika there, including a link to TamikaFelder.com to learn more about her incredible work. Most importantly, thank you for spending this time with us today. I am so grateful for all of my listeners, especially you, and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. If you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under whatthefundraising underscore. Have a great day, and I'll see you next week. Hey you, I hope you're loving all the free value you're getting right now from our guest. And speaking of free value, I've raised millions in the nonprofit space without sacrificing my integrity or my alignment. And I'm sharing how I did it in my free webinar, how to harness the power of prioritization to raise more without burning out. Go to MalloryErickson.com backslash workshop to register for the free training right now. I cannot wait to see you there.